0: Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to bringing our community closer to research in the science and engineering fields. My name is Adavan, a student from the TMM program at UOttawa, and I'll be your host on today's special podcast episode for the Science Communication TMM4950. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Morgan Fullerton. We are so happy to have you on Beats Research Radio.
1: Thanks, it's time. It's great to be here.
0: Dr. Fullerton is an associate professor at the University of Ottawa and the principal investigator of the OA ottawa Immunometabolab. The Immunometabolab is interested in investigating how various aspects of metabolism and immune pathways are linked, with a focus on innate immune cells and lipid metabolism in the liver. The lab uses biological models to better understand how these pathways work in the hopes of identifying novel treatments to prevent chronic metabolic diseases. So without further ado, let's discuss your research. It's apparent that immune processes and metabolism have an important role in health and disease, but how are metabolic and immune pathways linked, and why are you and your lab interested in pursuing this area of research?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it stems from what I like to consider the two aspects of immunometabolism, and that is the first that if you have an immune cell, which is really set out to have a very specific function to keep us healthy and safe to to regenerate tissue that might be dying or to to fight off against pathogens. So the the function of that immune cell can be, and is very driven by the metabolism of that cell. And so the metabolism of immune cell is gonna dictate its function. And then the flip side of that is that almost every tissue in the body has an immune presence, whether it is an, an an innate immune or an adaptive immune presence. So immune cells are everywhere and their function in metabolic tissues also has an effect that can be good. But what we're talking about most of the time is when when things go south and and in chronic diseases, a lot of the time, the effects of these immune cells in metabolic tissues has a negative connotation. And so with these two aspects, we consider it a cellular and a systemic approach to immunometabolism. And uh, we are focused on that mainly because it does encompass almost every single human condition that we can think of. Uh, And so inflammation as a sort of foundational aspect um, and metabolism as sort of equally foundational, we like to approach it from both sides, and and hopefully we're going to be able to discover something novel.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So you recently published a paper where you determined a novel pathway involving the AMPK-HMGCR axis in the regulation of cholesterol homeostasis in hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells. Before we go in depth with regards to this study, would you be able to clarify for our listeners what AMPK and HMG-CoA reductase are and what role do they play in our body?
1: Definitely. So uh, AMP activated protein kinase is is a gene and a protein complex in the end things that it's a kinase. And so it's an enzyme that has the ability to regulate pathways and the activity of other proteins via something called phosphorylation. So it's a a post-translational modification. This is a modification that's happening to a protein as it's floating around in the cell uh, and By phosphorylating something, it can have quite a dramatic effect and it can have it quickly. I liken it to a a light switch. And so AMPK as, as its master kinase that can regulate actually up to 100 different things in the cell. And usually it's always regulating something in a coordinated way. So with AMP kinase, when energy is low in the cell, AMPK is turned on. And its effect is to then turn on energy-generating pathways and to turn off energy-consuming pathways. So it's all about generating and conserving energy. On the flip side, this HMG-CoA reductase protein is the target of the drug class called statins. And so it is the main enzyme in the pathway that makes cholesterol. And it was known um, back in 1970, something that uh, there was a kinase that phosphorylated and inhibited this cholesterol synthesis pathway. And it just so happens that AMPK was the kinase that phosphorylates, sort of turns off HMG-CoA reductase um, very quickly and to conserve the energy that would have gone into making cholesterol. And so we got into this with the hopes that instead of taking, and we'd like to use genetic approaches in the lab so that we can remove one gene from a mouse and ask the question, what happens when that gene isn't there? Uh, How important is that gene for physiology or for health and disease? The problem with taking out a master regulator like AMPK is that it does a hundred different things in the cell. You're not going to appreciate whether or not one specific interaction or pathway is important for a certain disease you'll have an idea of, of the sum of all of the inputs, but not the specifics. And so for the paper you just referred to, it actually makes use for a novel mo- mouse model where we haven't knocked out the entire kinase, the entire function, but we've just taken away the ability of it to specifically regulate this HMG qua reductase pathway.
0: Super interesting stuff. So within your study, your research team was able to identify that blocking AMPK signaling leads to the development of atherosclerosis. Could you expand on some of the results you were able to find?
1: Definitely. And so this was a collaborative study uh, with a group in Melbourne. And so with these mice that, again, don't have the ability for this, I guess we could call it metabolism to regulate cholesterol synthesis, um, these mice get more what we call heart disease, right? So pre-heart disease, atherosclerosis is when the arteries uh, become clogged with plaque and then can lead to heart disease and being a heart attack and stroke later in life. And so in mice, this usually doesn't happen. Mice are very resistant to this process. And so what the group in Melbourne did was they made a genetic model to make atherosclerosis possible. And what we did is we took and and made it a genetic model, but we gave them almost a gene therapy we induced atherosclerosis in our model. And so we took two complementary approaches and ended up, as you mentioned, seeing that without the ability of metabolism to regulate and to suppress endogenous cholesterol synthesis, atherosclerosis got worse. And I was actually very surprised by this because atherosclerosis is usually considered to be driven by circulating levels of cholesterol. So it's only in mice when we really drive cholesterol up that we see atherosclerosis occur. And so independent of these changes, um, the, the group in Melbourne that was driven by Dr. Kim and by Dr. Murphy, their group showed that there was a very noticeable change in the amount of immune cells that were in circulation. And that because there were more immune cells, these immune cells found their way to the arteries and they made the plaque bigger. And that was important to consider that their results are with this genetic model, which happened to also knock out a different protein. And we actually don't see the same mechanism, what we're seeing in terms of more atherosclerosis. What we're seeing is that there are no differences in the amount of immune cells circulating, but the immune cells that are circulating are primed differently. And when they're inside the plaque, they actually might divide and make the plaque bigger via a secondary or separate mechanism. And so it's kind of cool that we've come up with the same model, we've tweaked it in different ways to then be able to measure atherosclerosis, We're measuring it being differently the same way, or we're seeing the same effect, but via two different mechanisms.
0: Amazing. Do you think there are other pathways that are regulated by AMPK that could be significant in the development of atherosclerosis?
1: Great question. Um, Yes, we believe there are. And I think in the end, it comes back to what I might have mentioned, where lots of studies, and we have run these studies as well, we have taken out the whole protein of AMPK. And we've asked the question, is this protein important for atherosclerosis? Other people have done that. People have asked the question of, is this protein important in certain cell types? And there's a very unsure position out there. Nobody really knows because everybody's doing it a little bit differently. And so our goal is to really take a step back and we've actually created a few more, uh, what we're calling targeted knock-in mouse models. And so instead of knocking out the whole kinase, we've taken away via making these specific changes in the DNA, so these are called point mutations that just change one amino acid, uh, and not the whole protein function, uh, but it completely severs the ability of this master regulator to talk to certain levels or certain pathways. And so right now, a lot of the focus in my lab is geared towards understanding and dissecting this metabolic input. And it just so happens that we're coming at it from more of an immune context because atherosclerosis is quite an immune heavy or or it's focused a lot on the immune cells that that infiltrate into that, into the artery. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the results of some of these pathways, which I think a lot of the times people uh, take for granted that because they have been discovered and that we have a lot of tools that can show that kinases can phosphorylate certain targets. People then automatically assume that this happens and is important, but until the studies are conducted with it sort of rigorously and systematically test, if that is the case in a mouse system, it's really still an unknown.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So there are many drugs on the market that target cholesterol metabolism with the idea of reducing atherosclerosis. So what is the significance of your research and are there any drugs in clinical trials that revolve around the regulation of AMPK in the hopes of treating atherosclerosis?
1: That's a great question because it really brings back to clinical significance of any of the research that we're doing. And I think two aspects are important to consider. One is that there are a lot of therapies that are already on the market and that have been on the market for decades, uh, like metformin, which is a type 2 diabetic drug, uh, as well as aspirin, uh, of all things, that that are known to activate AMPK directly or, or indirectly. But um, right now, there's a, a real push to understand the mechanism of action of some of these therapies. And certainly, AMPK, given that it regulates just a whole host of metabolic processes, is at the uh, center of some of these discussions. Uh, so, one of the things that we're interested in is understanding how or, or if these pathways that we're, we're studying play a role in mediating some of the already known beneficial effects of some of these therapies. But the second part of it is knowing that AMPK is a regulator of metabolism when we activate it, by and large, in terms of metabolic dysfunction, activating AMPK has a lot of beneficial effects. And so there's been a real push in the last decade to and that has generated very specific AMPK activating drugs. And, and those are currently in clinical trials, all phases to sort of see the efficacy against things like fatty liver disease. And so I think the next step would be to to integrate those uh, when they're Shown to be efficacious, that then we could ask the questions of whether or not the, there is a benefit of activating AMPK uh, for the regulation of heart disease.
0: And that concludes our interview. So, thank you so much, Dr. Fullerton, for joining us today. On behalf of our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcon, and the whole Beats Research Radio team, we thank you all for tuning in. Beats Radio is supported by the U Ottawa Heart Institute, the Beats Laboratory, and the Department of Biochemistry, Microbiology, and Immunology at the University of Ottawa. Don't forget to follow our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube platforms to stay in the loop of our latest uploads. Wishing everyone good health. See you all next week.